everyone, welcome back to a new episode of For the Love of Weather podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss all things weather and how they can impact our daily lives. We hope that you leave this episode and every episode that you listen to loving the weather just that little bit more. Hi, I'm meteorologist Gemma. Hello, and I'm meteorologist and weather presenter Ashling. And yet again, somebody is willing to talk to us. We are very excited to be talking to Alina Jenkins today. She's head of communications for Body Talk a company which helps people all around the world improve their communication skills, presentation skills. Now, she likes to call herself an occasional BBC weather presenter as well, but I can tell you now I've had the luxury of working with Alina for a number of years. She is incredible at what she does. She's also had her own radio show for over seven years and has pretty much done everything that you can do in and around media, but by far, probably the person I've learned the most about communication. So Alina, I am so thrilled. We are so thrilled to have you on tonight. So thanks for giving us your time. Oh, Ash, Gemma, thank you for asking me. I was looking at all the guests that you've had on and I'm so honoured to be on this list <laughs> with like Owine and Matt and the Chief Meteorologist at the Met Office. We we it's gave them really, really big bribes, just like we'll be, we'll be giving you, Alina. <laughs> but Alina, we always just start off by asking our guests. So I first met you when you were in weather, you were a producer, I know you've gone on to body talk now, but when was that first moment, that first little little spark in your life where you thought, right, I'm either going to go into weather or communications or performance, like what was it, where was it, how did that happen, tell us. Uh, do you know, Ash, Gemma, I've had the weirdest progression in my career, and if so people often ask me this and they think, because they, they want to know, how could I get to do what, what you want to do, because you know that, that everybody wants to be involved in weather or be a TV presenter because we're so fascinated by it. I actually started out, out in performance. So I started uh, training as a dancer. And uh, here's my, I don't know if people know this, I went to college with Victoria Beckham. So I lived with her for a year when I was 16. I went to a college called Lane Theatre Arts. <laughs> Anybody who's listening to this podcast, Gemma and Ash are going, are doing big, wow. <laughs> mouth movements on our video feed so yes I went to a place called Lane Theatre Arts and I wanted to be a dancer ultimately I wanted to be in Cats the musical when I was a kid uh, then I got to Lane and realised I just wasn't a good enough dancer I couldn't, I couldn't do the splits and you know the high kicks and all of that so I, from there I ended up going into the the world of acting so I was a I did, was an actress in tv commercials and theatre and plays and I had a really good run actually but it got to, I was in my sort of early 20s and I realised it was just such an unstable career and you could work for six months and be really busy and then you'd be waiting tables for six months. And I thought, I can't, I can't do that for the rest of my life. But deep down, I'd always wanted to be in radio. I loved radio because I've been doing a lot of voiceovers. And so I went and uh, volunteered at Hospital Radio in Southampton, which is actually where Scott Mills started. Um, so he's sort of a, another alumni of, of, of Hospital Radio and did did a year there and then the BBC would they did this wonderful scheme called um, BBC Talent and they just wanted people just to kind of send in tapes and you know that there were sort of different options that you could do so I thought you know I'm just going to send in my tape that I've done on hospital radio to BBC Radio Solent in Southampton because that's where I'm from and they they rang me up and said do you want to do you want to come in and have a chat and I was like oh my gosh and so they offered me a job on a Sunday morning doing the travel news. And I, I remember just being so nervous. I was thinking, why am I nervous? It's Sunday, like nobody's listening to the travel news. And um, part of the job, we had to ring up all the car parks and check how busy they were. 
So that was part of my, my first job at the BBC and I loved it. And it was from there and that they were really good at sort of taking people on board and seeing something in them and developing them. So I started doing a travel news presenter and they said, would you like to come and be our weather presenter on the breakfast show, BBC Radio Solent? And I said, look, I don't have a background in science. I've got a background in presenting and communication. And they said, no, that's fine, because you kind of you're given not the scripts, but you're given, you know, the, the forecast and you just have to kind of make that fit. I said, OK, I think I can do that. And so what happened is I started doing that. And then they said, would you like to go and have some training with the Met Office? So that's how I got it. And just that thing is that setup does not exist anymore, which is which is really sad. And uh, around that time, if I have to give a big shout out to Dorcas Henry, who was the presenter on South Today at the time. And she took me under her wing. She mentored me. And she also helped me with, you know, the, um, the, some, some of the training as well. And she she had to leave for, for, for a number of reasons, um, but she was so lovely and she sort of mentored me and supported me into me then getting the job at, as a presenter at, at South Today. So it's a really strange way to get into weather because most people will be like you. They'll go and study meteorology or oceanography at university and then try to go through to the Met Office or Meteo Group and then sort of find their way into broadcasting. I kind of did it the other way around. <laughs> so sort of coming in as a presenter and then getting the science training. So, um, sorry, long, that, that was quite a long explanation. I have so many questions about it. It's really hard not to interject. First of all, I'm like, Victoria Beckham, what? Yeah. And then I'm like, and then I'm thinking about your training in the Met office, but also I think of everything that I've just heard you talk about, you stayed in weather. So you must have loved it because I know you've had your own radio show. You produce, mm. you, you research, you can write you can put you can put a lot of stuff together but it, it's weather that you really loved and you stayed in I think everybody loves the weather everybody mm. loves talking about it wherever you go in the world so I've just come back from California um in my my current job um as a presentation and communication skills coach and even over there they were they were apologizing for the weather because it was only 18 degrees <laughs> Celsius and I said, <laughs> oh, this is high summer <laughs> and so you know wherever you go in the world it's almost immediate it's what um because we're always trying I think kind of connect with people aren't we and make bonds and find things that we have in common and we normally say where are you from um but I pretty much every conversation we ever have with somebody that we don't know the weather will probably crop up within the first few minutes so I think that's it it's just that fascination with with weather and also you know I grew up on the south coast um, I do, you know, we've got friends who've, who've had boats and so we've been involved in sort of sailing and power boats and, and of course that weather is very important to those sorts of those, those kinds of things. And so I think, um, that's, that's why I stayed with it because like everyone else, I'm fascinated by it. And because I didn't come in from the science background, I was learning all the time. It's like, oh my God, that's so cool. And that's because I think part of being a, a journalist and a broadcaster, a presenter is, it's always about being curious. When I first joined the BBC, I had, a, had some training with Julian Warwicker when I was uh, hosting radio shows. And, and I said to him, I said, you know, what's a good trait for a journalist? He said, always be curious. He said, always ask questions. And that's the great thing about, about meteorology. It's like, oh, tell me, tell me this and tell me this. And this is why I've loved working with both of you because you, your heads are just full of it because you know, you, that's, that's what you study. And you, you were always so supportive of me is that no question was a daft question. 
I came and said, oh, yeah, I'm not quite too sure about this. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'd have, you know, we'd have conversation about different troughs and upper vortices. And like, oh, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Do you know, you, you've picked up on something really interesting there. And I, we are both, we are both like geeko scientists, but actually we both work in communications now. And that has been a real, like, um, you know, you know, it's been humbling trying to learn how to communicate properly. And you realize actually this isn't as easy as, as people make it. So I know some of us come of it from, you know, science, and then some of us come of it from, from journalism, but I've also very much realized a good journalist tells an amazing story. So tell us a little bit more about, um, you know, how did you, you're a, you're a bloody good presenter, Lena. How did you like cra- crack that nugget of like, right, this is, this is the story that people care about. How do you break down the science? Yeah. How does that work for you in your head? What are you thinking? So, yeah. So there's a number of things. It's actually, it's, it's interesting because the work that I do now with body talk really ties in with everything that I've learned over the last 22 years. And it's, it's, Funny to see how you know those skills transfer from broadcasting and journalism into business. Anyway, sorry, back to your very good question, Ash. Is I always thought I was talking to one person. Okay. So, uh, and and this is actually really good advice for anybody's listening, and they've got their own sort of like Instagram or YouTube things. Is that people often say hi, guys, or hello, hello, everyone? Of course, we do that. But sometimes when we're listening in that kind of very intimate, and you do, because we're listening to a podcast on our own, we might be walking, got our headphones on. And, and it's the same in, in TV, is, in, is that you're going into someone's living room, particularly with programmes like South Today, the regional programmes. People see you as their friends, because they're seeing you every night, slightly different to national. Um, and so it's, it's very intimate. And so I always thought I'm speaking to one person, and often I think it'd be my mum or my mum-in-law, um, and so I'd be thinking about who's the audience and what is it that they might want to know? What's it, what is it that they want to hear? Um, and this is the same in any kind of communication. This isn't just about broadcasting. But so very often we can go into situations and just go, what do I want? To, what do I want to say today? And most people don't care about what you want to say. They want it's what do they want to hear? So it's thinking about thinking about one person. What do they need from this? And how can I explain this in the simplest way? And this is the challenge that we all have. Gemma, you have this, I know, you know, giving us our, um, all our forecast detail at the BBC, is that you've probably got 10 minutes max to talk us through 10 days of pretty, you know, potentially very complex data and, and ideas and messages, particularly doing a world forecast. Ash, you've got to go and deliver a forecast sometimes in 45 seconds because sports run over. And so you have to think, how can I say this in the simplest way? And it's very easy for us to get caught up in jargon. And I think we all suffer from something called the curse of knowledge, where we go, I know, I know all this stuff. And you're, of course, you're so excited about it, is you want to share every single bit. And so it's taking the bits which are relevant. So there is so much, you know, there's always so much going on in the forecast. It's always fascinating. Even if there's no weather happening, there's still like fascinating things. And so you have to go, right, what's important? What's relevant? What's the context? How can I bring this to life? How can I make people remember it? Because that's the thing as well as part of our job is making sure that when there's severe weather and where there's impacts, that people realize what those impacts are 
that there is actually the potential, you know, if you've got an amber or a red warning, there's danger to life. And how do you make that so people go or listen and think, I need to take action or I might need to change my plans. So, um, those, but yeah, those are all the things that, that I think about. And actually, some of the stuff that we've been working on in, uh, in my communication role is also about making uh, sort of complex ideas tangible, bringing context around it. And, and I think, actually, I think you, you've probably spoken to me about this in, you know, in, our, in our time together when we're on the late shift at the BBC and we're eating our little lovely healthy brownies that you've brought in. <laughs> yeah. And, and we were thinking, right, actually, but what does that mean? And, you know, we might talk about temperatures and I go, but what does that mean? What does that feel like? What's the con? Because it's all very well going up and saying, okay, it's 14 degrees today. Now, at the moment, we'd go, whoa, yippee. <laughs> that's, um, I'll take some of that. Thank you very much. You know, if it's May or June, we'd be going, well, that's, you know, it's a different kind of, so it's bringing some context. And also, um, you know, we, we love numbers, don't we? Not Perhaps not as much as our American counterparts who really love the big numbers, but we love, we love numbers and statistics. And so, Sometimes I get a little bit frustrated when somebody might say, oh, there's been 60 millimetres of rain in Santon Downham today. Now, we all know that's a lot of rain. <laughs> of course we do. But people just hear it as a number. So it's giving some context. There's 60 millimetres in Santon Downham for context. That's a month's worth of rain in 24 hours. And people go, oh, I get it. So it's trying to find ways that you can kind of link what people might not know to what they do know. And that makes them go... I get it. And I think that's kind of a, quite an important part of our job as well, because it is complex. It is. And also for sure, you're hitting the nail on the head at the moment at the time of recording this, there is high pressure and cloud around. And it's like, these numbers look the same, but how is today going to be different to yesterday or today? That's the only way I can contextualize yeah. this. There might be more breaks in the cloud. Yes. And the sunshine is strong at this time of year. So maybe it's going yeah. to feel better. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty challenging. And you talked a lot about that's you know communicating through you know radio television mm. there's so many other platforms just exploding now mm. do all of the kind of same theories apply in communication on them yeah absolutely they're all broadcasting platforms and we're, we're using zoom at the moment to record this it's a broadcasting platform and um you know instagram whether you're doing an instagram live or you're making a reel what you're doing is sending out a broadcast it's really exciting actually because I think it opens up a whole world of opportunity about how you can keep communicating science and your ideas to the next generation. Because my son um, is now, if anybody's listening and remembers I had a son, um, he's now 23. Um, so he's just you know, six foot three and towers, towers over me. He doesn't watch mainstream television. He doesn't watch appointment to view television. And he's not alone. There's a whole generation who are not really interested in the regional program. You know, my mother-in-law, my mom, um, you know, my, my sisters will still, you know, absolutely, you know, we're watching, we're watching the regional program, we're listening to, you know, local radio, we'll be, be watching, watching a weather forecast. And, and I think there's a, a lot of thought as well as around, oh, well, there's the app, well, we all know the app is useful, but the app isn't telling a story, the app is just giving you data, it's not giving you context. So, yeah, what, you know, whether you're using TikTok or Instagram, I think it's really exciting about what we can do with this. If, you've, if you're creative and good at telling stories, and this is, this is the trick. Um, I was, somebody told me a really interesting fact the other day that we you know when you're scrolling like through your social media feed, through Instagram and TikTok, that it's the equivalent of driving, say, along the M3 um, and at 70 miles an hour and you see a sign. And 
and that's that is the how it feels when you're kind of scrolling through social media so you've got it if you want to get someone's attention you've got to be creative to get their attention straight away and and so it goes back to what I was saying is you if you're thinking well I want to say this don't it doesn't matter it's what what will the audience want and how can you connect them and how can you you know use maybe storytelling or images or some fun things to to get someone's attention to say look this is really fascinating because that we want to we love talking about the weather we could we could happily sit on here for you know three hours and it probably wouldn't be enough <laughs> so um it yeah. wouldn't it really <laughs> it wouldn't so yes it's it's, it's using you know the, the the latest platforms and of course these these will change you know youtube it's the it's the most watched tv channel if you like in the world so you know youtube shorts and youtube videos um really really powerful in fact even my husband now he's got you know he'll sit on his ipad and watch and watch youtube shorts and he's he's in his 50s so it's not just the younger generations i think other people are thinking i i think we're in an in a in a of way now that everybody wants the information like this this is why the app you know weather apps are really popular because you can go straight in uh but i think yeah, it's great seeing it the bbc are doing this the met office are doing this they're really now you know going big on things like instagram i don't think i don't think bbc weather is yet on tiktok i don't blame them because i'm on it but it's a bit scary <laughs> i'm quite worked it out yet only through only through body talk not not personal yet but I'll, i will get there i need to be a bit braver because my son said he said mummy you can't go on tiktok you're too old no that's not true that's not that true. is not true no. and with things like tiktok and instagram as well with the reels you need to have that hook so i do tiktok videos and it's a steep learning curve and I have to switch my brain when I'm doing them and it's learning how to hook the people in to then give them the information it's really hard to do I really struggle to do it because I was like I can give you all the scientific information but it's that hook at the beginning to get that person to carry on watching your video and not just scrolling through onto the next one yeah yeah I know I completely agree and actually this is sometimes where I think um, elements of storytelling can come in so if you think about it, you know, we've been telling stories since the dawn of time. It's how we've evolved as humans. And it's kind of it's why we are here today is that we told stories to engage and compel people. So if you think back to when we were cave people, um, pretty much our daily life consisted of staying alive. <laughs> that was it. So we yeah. would tell stories to keep us alive. So, okay, there's, there's danger over there. There's a saber-toothed tiger in, in that jungle, in that wood. We need to go and find a safe cave somewhere. So it's, it's about um, avoiding pain, gaining pleasure. That's kind of very, very simple storytelling. Um, if you think of like, you know, the let's use a, the, the big, one of the biggest movie franchises ever made, Harry Potter. Um, it's about Harry is in a place of, of pain. His parents have been murdered. He's living with his aunt and, aunt and uncle who despise him and his cousin bullies him. And eventually he discovers he's a wizard and he goes on and he discovers who he is and who his parents are. So it's about moving away from pain towards pleasure. Um, and we can uh, we can use that in the way that we communicate because people generally is is they might have a challenge or they might not understand something they might be confused about something. What you have is is insight. You're like Dumbledore if you like to Harry Potter and go, hey, let me share with you how you can discover this and become this. And people go, oh, okay, right, that's really interesting. So that that's one way of like creating the hook. It's like you know is talking about a challenge. And this is this is why, um, you know, I think it's really helping get people more aware of climate change. It's like, this is a massive challenge. You know, this is a point, we need to avoid this pain. This is awful and move towards this better future. 
Um, so, so using storytelling is great to kind of capture your audience. The other thing you can use, and this is kind of almost leaning into the world of journalism, is a headline. As you say, Gemma, it's the hook, isn't it? What's the thing that's going to get you to pick up the newspaper, if you like, in, in the old old fashioned terms? Or if you're on, um, if, if you go to the BBC news page, is a really good example. Actually, I would encourage everybody to do that. And then look at, and you'll see that all their headlines either make some of you curious, you go, oh, what's that about? Or it's a headline that's kind of perhaps a benefit, or it's a, he- a or it's a headline that indicates that this is something that's very wrong. And as humans, we're kind of drawn to that. So it's it's kind of combining the world, I think, of storytelling and journal, which is what journalism is. You know, that's what we do on the news every evening is there'll be a headline. There'll be some facts about that story. But then what you'll do is you'll go in and there'll be a story and there'll be a personal, you know, this this is um, it's how it's impacted a person or a community um, so that we kind of feel emotionally connected. And that's what we need to try and do is get um, get people emotionally connected to our ideas, because otherwise it would be let's just think, right, we're going to do a fork and say, hello, everyone. My name is Alina. Here's the weather forecast. Today was sunny. Tomorrow will be cloudy and it'll be 10 degrees. All I've done is I've given you data. If you can weave a story into that and say, I don't know about you, but it's been really cold recently. Um, when is spring coming? I've got some thoughts on that. Stay with me and I'll tell you at the end of the forecast. That was rubbish, but it's that kind of idea. It's like a little... No, it's exactly <laughs> that, isn't it? Yeah. You've just given me a hook. You've said something that I'm like, I want to know the answer to that. I'm going to keep listening, which is what makes you sit on a video and be like, what happens at the end? Yeah, yeah. So true. It's so true. And there's there's also that thing as well, is that particularly in our world, there are lots of what I call know-it-alls. <laughs> People will go, go on then, impress me with your knowledge. The thing is with know-it-alls, if you can if you can create a gap in their knowledge that they might not know, because they're know-it-alls, they'll do everything in their power to try and fill that in. And then you've got their attention. So there's there's all of those things that that you can try and do. I mean, Gemma, I don't know whether that's that's helped you in any way. It's still blooming hard. You're right. I think this is this is why good headline writers and good journalists are worth their weight in gold because actually Absolutely. coming up with a headline, the thing that mm. just people, I often think of that as well in breaking news. You know, so I have a few different apps. So like, I monitor news for different reasons. And actually, I do genuinely mindfully take a break from it because I think when you work in news every day, even though we're working in the weather section, actually, it can be quite emotionally taxing mm-hmm. um, if you're in a newsroom and there's a story and it's running through all day or parts of the package is running through all day, you know, and it can be difficult and you do have to switch off from it. But if you look at all the different breaking news, there's always subtleties in how the headline is written. And there will always be one that will jump out at me over the other, even though it's the exact same story. Mm-hmm. exact same piece of breaking news that has just popped in yeah always and the same do you, do you find as well that the headlines that you're drawn to generally don't have very many words in them yeah so it goes back to what I was kind of we were saying at the beginning is how can you get your message across in the simplest way possible and take out unnecessary language and I think what happens uh, particularly in broadcasting is that sometimes you're we we still write a lot so things will be in kind of the form of of scripts and briefings we don't write like we talk and I don't know if, if Ash if you've ever been had to been given an auto we don't get autocue of course everybody knows that no we don't have autocue but sometimes on a news piece we might and if someone else writes it for you just go 
I wouldn't speak like that. Yeah, you do have to be really mindful about that. And it can be really challenging reading somebody else's script, which is why I just admire newsreaders so much. There'll be a different producer every day for them. Like, they have a tough job to do. It's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible to make words sound the same every night in the same way without any biases or unbiases in them. And there will have been somebody different that wrote them. Yeah. every single day yeah and getting the tone right as well mm-hmm. um, so i think you know, you're right you know news presenters particularly breaking news and something comes in and you say i what tone do i have here because it's so it's so easy to get the tone completely wrong, wrong. Yeah. one of my first jobs at radio sona after i did the travel and the weather and then i went back into radio is i did early morning breakfast and so the first thing you have to do is read the news and i would i would just try and spend 10 minutes just going I have to get the tone right on each one because around the time it was when it was all going on in Syria and there were lots of horrible things yeah. um and then you get to the end and it'll be about hey the village fate at Fair Oak and you have to make sure that your tone is is different so that kind of people you know understand the context as well so that's that's part of it too such a respect for that like that is that that's hard work mm. even if you're brilliant that's still hard work from the very beginning to understand that transition and it's so quick mm move out of something sad into something a little bit happier or chirpier oh and a fi- and finally you know and I'm finally sort of thing also I just want to say best person I've ever seen doing that is Jane Hill Jane Hill is a master she does it really so yeah she can go from something really really serious um to gradually just builds up into into something that's a little bit lighter beautifully done I take my hat off to her when it comes to sort of the way we communicate extreme weather then how would you change the way that you're doing that and for example when we've got like the the hot spell that we had last year there was no context for that for people in the UK really how do you then put that into context and then communicate that yeah I think that's a really that's a really nice question and um, I think it links back to what we were just saying there about about tone um, and so again going back to as early humans we associate higher pitch with kind of youth and fun and we associate lower pitch with age and wisdom um just as an aside I was looking at some of the videos I made when Max was a baby a few um a few months ago and it's funny how my voice has got so much deeper over the years um so my, so my point around that is I so think do you think that's from training or you know no, just like just as, as you get older your voice generally tends to get low I think also perhaps because I've worked on a lot of you know serious programs and, and also doing radio four and the shipping forecast and that requires perhaps a slightly different tone to when you're doing forecast for five live which is kind of sport and news and it's much more punchy and short and so you change um very very slightly but but going back to your point about serious news I think it's just thinking about it because it's not just our words but it's our tone of voice and our, it's our body language. So it's about making sure that we're always being congruent. So your body language, your tone of voice, always going in the same direction. So if you're talking about something that is much more serious, and because sometimes the weather can just be, hey, you know, actually this is, this is good news or this is this is fun. There's large parts where it's actually, you know, it, it can be serious as well. So it's what I, I always try and think about is if it's serious and I need to definitely use the lower tones in my voice, I might slow it down and put more space between words because it's important and if you put if you use more pauses it I think it says to the audience okay this is important 
if it's something that's um, perhaps a bit more exciting, then you could kind of go and use your higher notes and you might speed up a little bit. It all comes down to variety as well. Because if I, you know, if, if we're doing this podcast and we all just spoke in the same way, in the same tone for 45 minutes, I'll, people wouldn't realise at first, but after about 30 seconds speaking in the same way, they go, oh, just switch off. <laughs> so we, we, use natural, we use natural variety in our voices in these kinds of situations where we're relaxed and we're fun. The challenge that a lot of broadcasters have, particularly when they're new in, is they go, oh, it's broadcasting and so it's serious. And so everything is monotone and everything is all you know, um, in, on one level. And so it's it's understanding the variety that you need to bring, but making sure that it's congruent to your message. So um, so that you don't go and talk about extreme temperatures in, oh, it's gonna be 36 degrees today. And it's that's the wrong message. You can see that, that I'm I sound excited about that. Um, and so it goes, it goes back to what we we're saying about always think about your audience because everyone feels differently about the weather. Once it gets above 23 degrees Celsius, I'm fed up. I just <laughs> if people say it's going to be 28 degrees I go, that's just awful I don't yeah. so it's it's thinking about your audience and sometimes it's about being neutral as well and not putting your feelings as hat because my my sisters would be like whoa 28 degrees fantastic I'm out in the garden on the sunbed and for me I just I'm just gonna get it's too hot and uncomfortable <laughs> So, um, and I think as well in our industry, like that, that summer last year, the 40 degrees, like, I mean, that was shocking. Yeah, it was. It was was shocking. It happened. It's not shocking because we knew Mm. we've been, you know, we've been reading this for a long time, but it actually happened. Somehow it's still shocked. And that messaging was completely, completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is why I'm really proud of all my colleagues wherever they are, whether they're BBC or ITV or wherever they are, is that I really felt that the way we delivered that message was absolutely right. Absolutely right. And that just comes, you know, through through years, through years of experience. But it, I, I learned I learned the hard way when I first started doing the weather at South today. And I, and I, it's, you know, talking about rain, and I'm just, you know, it's raining again. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody imagined, don't, have an don't live in a desert, rain is a good thing. And it was a really good way, you know, just in my, my very early stages of my career is not to put my own personal feelings on it because mm. everyone has a different, you know, favorite type of weather. Yeah. Yes. I, I sometimes get away with putting my personal feelings on things in the chat, but only if I'm like, because some people love that. <laughs> you know I might click caveat and say yes, well you know, exactly. you know exactly. it's been like six degrees for the last week I'm like I, I would like it to be a little bit a little bit more just like spring to be here properly I'm really yeah this. I know um Alina uh just as one of a, a final question um do you have any what would be your top tips for storytelling I was actually taking notes there when you were chatting <laughs> by the way <laughs> uh tips for yeah top tips for storytelling because that's ultimately what it is isn't it whatever platform you're on um yeah apologies if I kind of repeat what I've said but firstly think about your audience who are your audience what do they need to hear what do they care about what and in we're talking about kind of pain and pleasure and challenges and kind of better futures what's their challenge what's their what's their concern where is it they'd like to get to um so so think about the audience using those concepts of storytelling and also how can you bring a story to life through making something tangible, bringing some context to it. How can we use visuals 
as well to tell the story. This is why I think weather forecasts work so well, because we use its imagery and we remember so much more when we see images and somebody tells a story over it. What I can't stand, and I see this in business, by the way, a lot, is somebody will stand up and they'll say, hello, everyone, here's my 17-point agenda slide with loads of words, and then every single slide has loads of words in it. Now, I think we've, we're pretty good at the BBC, and we very we limit the amount of words, and, and I think that helps as well because we are telling a story over images. So it's, um, it's sort of thinking about how you're using your, your data and your information to, to give that to an audience. Um, and certainly when I was, you know, I've trained a number of people over the years at the BBC, I'd say less is more, less is more, just get, get rid of the words. In fact, some, I try not to use those headline things because I don't like them because there's too many words. <laughs> I'd rather have the images and tell a story. Yeah, if there's I words on the screen, you tend to read the words and then you're not listening to what the person's saying. It's really hard to do. Like if I'm in a presentation, there's always words on the screen. I'm just like, well, I can't read everything that's on there and listen to you at the same time. So I'm either going to do one or the other. And actually, I'd want to listen to you, but my eyes are drawn to look at the words on the screen. There's some fascinating science behind it by a chap called Dr. John Medina, and he's a molecular biologist who works out of Washington State University. And he's written a book called Brain Rules. Um, so it's about how our brains work. Um, and he did it, he did a test with 600 people. He got 300 people to watch a presentation, all it, it was PowerPoint, and every single slide had words on. Then the other 300 people saw the presentation, but it was with images. The people who saw the bullet points three days later only remembered 10% of the information. The people who saw the images remembered 65%. So that's a 500% increase in memorability by ditching the words and going for images. So in my, in my role now, I, I say to clients, I say, if you're going to say it, it doesn't need to be on the screen. So keep, and because you see all these like complex slides and, you know, words everywhere, it's just have an image and tell a story. And I promise you, people will remember it so much more. That's fascinating. Yeah, Dr. John Medina. And what it is, is the bits of our brain that deal with reading and listening are really close together. Which is why you can't do the same thing. This is how arguments happen at home, because you'll be reading on your phone. And your partner's then talking to you and you're going, yeah, yeah, and you're not, you're not listening. You're trying to read and you, you cannot read and listen at the same time. Um, but the bits of our brain that deal with images and listening is much further apart, which is why you can, it, it, it makes much more sense. And I think this is why weather forecasts will always be valuable in the time, even if it's kind of in a slightly different format on Instagram or TikTok, but they're always so much more valuable than an app because you're telling a story over images and people mm. remember it. That's fascinating. Isn't it? <laughs> you know that. It makes Sorry. so much sense now then when I'm in a presentation and there's people yeah. are just reading off the screen and I was like, I just can't do both at the same time. Is it just me? Do you know, so I kind of, <laughs> the last couple of skill talks that I did, I actually took away all the words and I, I didn't know why I was doing it as such but actually I just took the because I was more so because I didn't want to forget what I was going to say because as you have taught me Alina people don't know what you're going to say so if you forget they won't know that you forgot because you they don't know what you're going to say that's it that's some, the key thing is oh I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to forget what I'm going to say the audience doesn't know what you're going to say no so don't look awkward about it because they won't know that you've forgotten <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Yeah, such an incredible tip. That's really fascinating. Um, Alina, 
We could ask you a million more questions, but I'm not going to. We're going to move on to a get to know me round. Take it away, Gemma. Here we go. So we always start with asking everyone, what's your favourite season? Oh, I love um, I love autumn because <gasps> I love autumn um, because you've still got a bit of warmth at the beginning and then everything changes and I love the colours and then I do love a good storm and I'm very disappointed. Well, I'm, I'm not just because, you know, obviously storms can be um, damaging, but we've not had any named storms, have we? No, so, we've not. So well, we had Otto, point. we had Otto, didn't we? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't one of ours. No. Um, so, yeah, and I just, I love that kind of wild weather and I love that you can kind of go back into your boots and your big coat and have stews and put the fire <laughs> on. <laughs> I do agree answer. though in the meteorological sense yeah we haven't like you know it's like oh we've missed a storm only from the meteorological point of view not from the no. city yes. impact point of view of yeah. yeah yeah but it's yeah it's been an interesting very interesting winter oh, sorry can I just say just linking to that it's another really great piece of storytelling because what it does it makes storms personal because we've given them a name so it was it four or five years ago we had storm Dennis my stepdad is Dennis and the storm arrived on my mum's birthday. So as a family, we were really aware of this big because it was called Storm Dennis. So when, um, by making that personal, giving something a name, people often say, why are you giving it a name? I think it's really good because it makes us more aware. I agree with you as well. I think yeah. it's one of the best things that happened and it allows you to compare, you yes. know, so everyone will associate storm desmond with flooding even though it was desmond but it was associated desmond with flooding and yeah the big some of the bigger storms with more damage yeah i think it's a really good thing as well moving on to what's your favorite cloud oh i knew you were going to ask me this accumulonimbus i now do a lot of traveling with my job and i'm always in awe of pilots who manage to dodge them so i'm always so i flew i did um some work in September I went to New York and then I went to Mexico City and I went from Mexico City down to Buenos Aires and so going from Mexico City to Buenos Aires there was some interesting turbulence and <laughs> as we're kind of going um, across the ICTZ and and I could see out and thought oh my god they're just they're fascinating to me because there's so much that's going on in them and they're so incredible and it just blows my mind that the power that's in those clouds. Now this is where the questions take a little bit of a turn away from weather. Okay. So, jammy dodges or Jaffa cakes? Jaffa cakes. Why? Oh, I, I like orange. I like the orange chocolate combination. I like the squidge. Jammy dodges are a bit too crumbly. And I'm always disappointed nowadays. I just don't think there's much jam in them. Um, whereas it, I don't it, think, I don't think Jaffa cakes have changed very that's much. That's a really, really well thought out argument. Mm, I think I'm going to have to go and buy a packet of both and compare them now. <laughs> and you, you can just do like a whole like Jamie Dodger in one go. Ah, <laughs> beautifully versatile. Classy. Yeah. <laughs> if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Oh, God, that's a real, oh my gosh. What would my superpower be? I think time travel. <sighs> Wow. Is there a certain time period you'd oh, like to go to? I, like, I love history. Um, I love history. I love geography. I love art. So actually, I collect stamps. Um, so I've got loads of piles of stamps here. So that kind of, my love of all those three things comes into, into stamp collecting. Um, but I would, so I, but I love history so much. I'd love to go back um, to Henry VIII. I'm a big fan of the Tudors and that, and that period. Um, so I'd love to go and do that. 
I don't know I don't want to go into the future I think I just want to go back in time mm. um and I'd love to I'd, I'd like to maybe to go back to like the the 50s and the 60s when I don't know things just kind of just seemed a little bit simpler potentially um yeah <laughs> what, what type of stamps do you collect what oh, do you call I, someone who collects stamps a philatelist a philatelist philatelist philately I just want to become one because that is the coolest word I've ever heard. We we go and we do uh, go to auctions and we just try and, and we buy them as cheap as we can. And then you it's like a treasure hunt. And then you go through and a lot of them aren't worth any. But some of them are beautiful. There's some just really I've just, I've just got some over here. There's some really beautiful ones. So these are like just Great Britain ones, like just from the. Uh, I think they're from the, like the 1930s. I'm just showing, no showing you stamps on the thing. Um, there's just some and really old ones. This is a lovely India one. You know, it's like all these vintage, gorgeous stamps and like so much history. Like somebody picked this up, yeah, licked it and put it on. You know, like a hundred years ago. Um, it's not worth anything. I won't buy them. Um, but sometimes you go through and you go, ooh, that's exciting. So it's a bit like um, uh, sort of storage wars. If anybody's ever watched that program. That you you know you're always looking for that yeah 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 and Brilliant. one day you might find you know the the, the one yeah the, the the Taj Mahal yeah. of treasures if you had to choose would you prefer to go to the beach or the mountains oh, you know years ago I'd have said the beach nowadays I think I'd say the mountains because I do like skim terrible at it uh, last time I went I did my cruciate ligament um but I love I love the snow there's when you when I pause when you ask me what's your favorite season because I love winter, but I'll, I, you know, in the south of England, our winters are just rubbish. Don't ever get any snow. Um, so I love the snow, even if you're not skiing. So yeah, the mountains and the food. The food when you go skiing is so great. And if because you can just you can just eat cheese all day long. <laughs> Raclette fondue. I love cheese. I love cheese too. Yes. If you were fruit or vegetable, what would you be? <laughs> If I was a fruit or vegetable, what would I be? Um, I think <laughs> I think I would be. I want to come up with something really nice here. I don't know that I can. I'm just trying to think of my personality. Um, I'm going to go with an with an apple. Um, I don't know why I'd be an apple. Only because I like them because they are my favourite fruit. I'd have gone with like a papaya or a mango. I was going to say something. the same thing. That's there so weird. <laughs> it's, you know, that's the kind of question they ask you at a job interview. And that you probably need to. Come it's up a with... nightmare question. What are you asking me that for? I, apparently, somebody once asked somebody at an interview if you were a piece of wood, what kind of type of wood would you be and why? I don't want to give you I ideas. They were for going for a woodwork oh, job. One. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have gone for oak, like, I don't know. I don't know. When you it maple? Maple? Mm-hmm. maple. <gasps> there is, there is maple syrup in maple. Maple syrup, pancake day the other day. Mm. Syrup, nice. Yeah, so it turns out we think you're a papaya or a mango. There you go. Isn't that <laughs> so funny that we both water. thought that? <laughs> That's so weird that so we both weird. thought a papaya. I don't know why. <laughs> Something about your existing papaya. Papaya. It's a lovely fruit and it's um it's surprising inside as well when you open yeah. it up. I think the, oh, that's the nice. Yeah. Yeah. I just went with a boring apple. <laughs> you need to say papaya next time. 
And two more questions. So if you could invite one person to dinner, it can be anybody at all from any historical time frame or even a fictional character, who would it be? Oh, God, who would it be? I'd, I'd probably, I, it would probably have to be somebody from the Tudor period. I probably, I might go with Queen Elizabeth I. Um, I'd like to have known her mindset of how she, how she, that's an incredible story really is, you know, how she became such a strong leader in that time and, and all the challenges she had to overcome. So I go with, with um, Elizabeth first. Is she the queen that was like in power for 63 years and didn't marry? Yes. Yes. So she was Henry VIII's daughter um, by Anne yeah. Boleyn. Epic. Um, I mean, back was, then, sixty-three years in power. Yeah, and there was a big, big fight, you know. For and and she was incredibly, you know, kind of changed, um, changed the way that the country is. Um, so yes, that would be. I'd go for Elizabeth. I have no idea why I know that piece of information. That's really weird. World <laughs> history lesson knocking <laughs> around in there. And our final question is: one thing that you wish everybody knew about the weather. Oh, yes. Okay. So, nice question. The one thing I'd love everybody to know about the weather is the jet stream. And we often talk about it and people go, I'm not too sure what that is. Uh, But the jet stream is, it's a ribbon of air. It's high up in the atmosphere. It drives our weather systems. And sometimes it can be quite weak. Sometimes it can be really strong. And it's all often tied in with, with the weather that's happening over in the States. So sometimes people say, okay, it's been really cold in the States or it's been snowing in the States. Are we going to get that weather now? Technically, the answer is is no, we're not going to get that weather. But what that weather does is it often puts extra energy into the jet stream. It then comes across the Atlantic and it, it and things get modified, but it can change and impact our weather. So if it snows heavily in New York, we're not going to get that weather. But that severe weather can bring some impacts to the jet stream, which, um, or, as I said, bring bring extra energy and it can change perhaps our, our weather and bring something a little bit more, you know, stormy. So it's fascinating. I love, I love the jet stream. Ribbon of air high up in the atmosphere that drives our weather. Thank you. And yes, it is. And it is fascinating. And it's so bloody complicated as well with all this little jet streaks and jet cores and like jet and like oh, what is that? How do they know that? How's that be like it's left, just left exits and left exits. As you said, different drafts and all the best. <laughs> I once that heard way. someone, I think it was Matt Taylor actually, described it as a motorway, the jet stream. Nice. Mm. Yeah. I yeah, I think about it as like um as a, a bumper car. So uh, all the weather systems don't we because we tend to look at you know low pressure at the surface and then they're like connected to it. So if they disconnect from it, then they 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 just sort of meander around while something's bumping them around. But if they're connected to it, they've got power and they go numbers across. Lots that's different ways not, of that's going back it. to storytelling. That's saying, here's something that's on the face of it is super complex. But what it is, it's a bit like a but like a bumper car. It's a bit like a motorway. And then people have that image in their head and they go, oh, OK, right, I kind of get it. Mm. So it's really lovely things to do is linking the complex to something that everybody knows. Alina thank you so much for joining us tonight it has been an absolute pleasure an incredibly talented communicator in many ways what a fantastic storyteller and I've no doubt that you're going to go on and do more and more amazing things like what can't you do what can't you do 
can't I can't make lemon meringue pie ash I tried and I failed at the pastry base the other day so oh no also picking the lottery numbers for me would be really good as well be good if we could all win the lottery and then we could just make podcasts all day. <laughs> yeah exactly um Alina if anybody wants to follow you on social media where can they find you professionally and personally yeah so on Instagram I am Alina G Jenkins because somebody already taken Alina Jenkins so I'm on Instagram Alina G Jenkins I'm on LinkedIn as well if you want to do it that way and um our company that, that, that I work for now is called Body Talk UK Body Talk and if you're interested in anything I've spoken about in terms of storytelling or how you might need to like present your ideas at work do come and follow us we make we make lots of little reels and we're also on TikTok as well so UK Body Talk amazing and if you want to follow us on Instagram we are for the love of weather on Twitter we are the number four love weather um, and if you could rate and review the podcast and share it with everyone, that would be amazing. It helps other people find our podcast and then we can share our love of the weather with lots more people, which is our aim. And we hope that you leave this episode loving the weather just that little bit more. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.